But I'd like to uh, share a couple of thoughts as we do wind down our year. Now I'm shouting to 2019. And I'm looking forward to it. I do believe that the best is truly yet to come. And I want to talk about looking ahead. Looking ahead. We just listened to a song that was talking about holding on to the promises. And a promise is, is looking ahead. If you've got a promise that something's going to happen in a week or a month or whatever, maybe a promise to get married or something other, it's looking to the future. There's a lot of promises, if I'm not mistaken, found in this book. And along that line, I would really encourage you to begin at the first of the year to attempt to read through the Bible. And there's a lot of different plans that you can find. I think some of these are on your seat. You can go on your phone. Uh, if you've got a smartphone, lots of, uh, a lot of uh, reading plans, how to get through the Bible in the year. And the folks that I have talked to uh, this past year who have been reading through the Bible in a year, it has changed their life dynamically and dramatically because it's always building our faith. It's given us wisdom and given us insight, given us guidance, godly counsel that becomes our very own. So I really challenge you uh, to begin to read through the Bible um, as we launch out into this new year. You know, when God spoke something, that was a promise. If God said something, it's going to happen genuinely. Now, there are some promises that are linked to conditions, right? You meet the conditions, and then the promise will be manifest. Um, really, as we're reading the promises, as you read through the, the Bible, I want to encourage you to keep the promises in proper context. You know, read the whole thing. Read the whole chapter, you know, but read the, the uh, surrounding so you grab that promise. Now, the promises that God said to one believer are for all of us, and there's so many promises that are yours and mine. Just read them and study them in their proper context. I'd like to read something out of Isaiah 55, and this is out of the Message Bible, uh, Isaiah 55, verse 10 through 11, and it says, just as the rain and snow, you know what that stuff is? Okay. Just as the rain and snow descend from the skies and don't go back until they've watered the earth, doing their work of making things grow and blossom, producing seeds for farmers and food for the hungry. So will the words that come out of my mouth, this is what God says, you know, just as the rain and snow comes down and does all this, so will the words that come out of my mouth not come back empty-handed. When God says something, it's not going to come back empty-handed. They'll do the work I sent them to do, his words. They'll complete the assignment I gave them. And he's given his word to produce faith in us. He's given his word to heal our broken hearts and to build uh, faith and trust and, and wisdom and guidance. He sent his word, and whatever he has sent his word to do, it will accomplish everything that he sent it to do. Now, someone once asked me, do you think that God will forgive me for something that I've done? 
And my answer to them, <clears throat> I said, I don't think so. Because you don't know what they did, right? Is that a proper answer? No. That is what I told them. I said, I don't think he'll forgive you. I know he will forgive you. I know it, you see. And that's the truth of it, you know. When he has made a promise, well, let's just look at one. It's a, uh, a passage that you're probably all familiar with. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, has anyone here ever sinned? What about the rest of you guys? Come on now. It says, If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Is that a promise? What's the condition? If we confess. If we confess, we're acknowledging, I know that's disobedience to God. I know that's wrong. And God, I'm sorry that I did that. But he says, if, and, and it's conditional, we see. If we confess our sins to him, we do our part. He does his part. He is faithful. Faithful. And he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Other translation says all unrighteousness. And see, this is only one of the hundreds of promises that are found in the Bible. So the devil would sneak up upon us, and if you've done something that you should not have done, you had a thought you shouldn't have had, a, had or if you didn't do something that God wanted you to do, and the devil will try to beat you up and make you feel guilty for that into the next year. But we need to just confess to God whatever it is that we've done, not hide it, not try to act like we didn't do it. The best thing we can do is come clean with God. It's a promise, you see. As we're looking into the future, we don't want to set sail with a boat that's dragging its anchor, do we? You know, when you get out there selling the seven seeds of life and you've got storms and all, a chain that's draped down into the water, pulling an anchor that's catching on rocks and stumps and things like that, it's not going to make those storms easy to get through. There's strong enough storms without dragging an anchor. But when we confess our sins to God, he cleanses us. He cuts that anchor free, sets us free from that which will try to destroy us. It's just a promise. As we look to the future, we don't want to drag, I don't want to drag the baggage from 2018 into the year 2019. What about you? We want to have a brand spanking new book. We want to open a brand new page, 2019. We want to walk close to God in the midst of that. And it's a promise. So at some point in time, and you can't just say, well, God knows. He's going to forgive me anyhow, so why do I have to say anything? You do have to say something. You do have to say something. He said, if we confess our sins to him. He's faithful. He's dependable. He is reliable if we confess our sins to him. He's faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. See, God's promise uh, is important that we embrace <clears throat> the declaration of God's promise. And the, the deed of, of when it comes about, you know, the fulfillment. We embrace a declaration when God has promised something and, and we don't see the fulfillment as of yet. 
We need to embrace it. And then when we see the fulfillment, see, you and I can access the promises of God as our very own. But it takes faith on our part. And hopefully we'll see some other little things that will help us access the promises as we're looking into the year 2019. A promise is always speaking of what? The past? Speaking of the future. And we're looking into 2019. We're looking to the future. And there are so many promises that affect you. Your body, soul, and spirit. Every part of you, there's promises that affect you. And as we're looking into the future, we need to anticipate the promises that God has given us. We can grab a hold of those and apply them to our lives right now. You know, a rainbow is heaven's promise, is it not? But it's a promise that came in technicolor. And God says, I'll never destroy the earth again by water. He didn't say it's not going to flood over here or over there, but he said it'll never flood the earth again. It was a promise, and that's when he set the rainbow out there to remind us of a promise. But the Bible is full of promises, and I am telling you, if God's made a promise, you can count on it. You can take it to the bank. You can live by it, and you can die by it. Sometimes the reason that we don't trust God's promises are because we don't keep our own promises. I have discovered that amongst people. You know, people don't believe that I'll keep my promise because they don't keep theirs, and they suspect you're going to be just like they are. But when we become a person of integrity and we do what we say we're going to do, then we begin to expect God to do everything that he has promised. It's just a flaw in man, you see. But God keeps everything that he has ever said. I'd like to look at the book of Numbers, chapter 23, verse 19. And it says, God is not a man. Now, we're created in his image. We're much like him, but he's not like much like us in our sinful state. God is not a man that he should lie. Do men lie? Does God? No, he does not. God is not a man that he should lie nor a son of man, that he should change his mind. Are you going to get to heaven one day and God goes, you know what, I think I'm going to start charging you to get into heaven. God will never change. Whatever he has said in the past is good for today and good for tomorrow. He'll never change it on us. It says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. See, that's what men do. They lie and they change their mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? That's a question. And your answer affects those promises, how they affect you. Do you believe in God? It's true to his promises, you know. A.W. Tozer once said, A promise is never better or worse than the character of the one who makes it. What about God? Does he have good character? Absolutely wonderful. And he keeps his every promise. He genuinely does. You know. And you think about it in the Bible as you read through it and you see all these prophecies about things that will happen, you know, and you'll see some things that were prophesied 
years ago that would happen, and they did happen, because the prophecy is a promise from God of what's going to happen. He promises his son's going to come back one day, take us all home. He promises us there's a heaven. This is futuristic for many of us. Some have already graduated and experienced that, but it is a promise, prophecy, what God has said. As you read, begin to read this book for the new year, you'll see things that God has promised that will come to pass. Everything that he has said. His word that goes out of his mouth, it will not come back empty-handed. It'll accomplish the assignment he sent it to do. 2 Corinthians um, chapter 1, verse 18, it says, As surely as God is faithful, our word to you does not waver between yes and no. Now, people can do that. Yes and no. Yeah, oh, well, no, you know, back and forth, wishy-washy, double-minded. As surely as God is faithful, our word to you does not waver between yes and no. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. God is not fickle, you see. He's not double-minded. You know, he, he does change his mind with every little thing, wind that blows and, and all. He's consistent. He goes on in this passage to say, he is the one whom Silas and Timothy and I preach to you. And as God's ultimate yes, he always does, what was I say? He always does what he says. Who, who's that talking about? God always does what he says. And if you can prove that he doesn't do what he said, well, you can't do that. The devil can't do that. Because when God says something, it will not come back empty-handed. It will happen. It will accomplish whatever God told it to do when his word goes out like that. It says here, he always, the latter part of verse 19, it says he always does what he says. For all of God's, Y'all see that? Verse 20. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. It says, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with the resounding yes, and through Christ our amen. And amen means what? Yes. yes. So when you hear somebody and you're going, Amen, brother. You're, you're saying, Yes. I agree with that. Yes. That's what he's talking about. So be it. Yes. And he says, and through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. When you say amen, you're agreeing with him. You say, yes, I agree with that. I agree with what God has promised. And it doesn't matter if everybody believes it or not. If God says something, it's going to happen. If he said his son's going to come back, he's coming back. If he says if you confess your sins to him, he'll forgive you, He's going to forgive you. Whatever God has said is a true promise. Now, if we look at Romans chapter 8, verse 31, it says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, and do you know what it feels like when somebody's not for you? They're kind of against you. He says here, if God is for us, and he is. Who can ever be against us? Nobody, if God is for us. 
Even that Hummer here <laughs> cannot be successful. Thank you, Lord. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? And these are wonderful things. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Verse 32 says, Since he did not spare even his own son, but he gave him up for us all, and we know that, that's the Easter story, where Jesus gave his life for us. He says, won't he also give us, what does that say? Everything else. That's a promise. That's a promise. Is it possible that we appropriate that promise? Is there some conditions for that promise to be relevant to us? Yes, there are. And if we'll meet those conditions, we can access the promises of Almighty God. There wasn't nothing more valuable than his son, and he gave his son up for you. So if he's going to give his son, and his son gave his life and died for you, whatever your needs are, God's going to take care of those things. That's what he promises. And uh, it's fantastic as we read this in its context and we begin to read through the whole Bible and we see the whole story, how it begins to unfold and all of a sudden things start happening in us. It's called rhema. You, you chew on it and you chew on it and you read it and all of a sudden, boom, it comes alive inside of you. And it's not a shock, it's not a surprise that prayers are being answered anymore. <clears throat> it's a living word. That's what the word rhema, it, it comes alive. It changes things in your life. It says, verse 32, since he, Father God, did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? That is the question. And everybody's going to have to answer that question for themselves. So I want you to think in your mind, what is your answer to this question? I'm going to read once again, verse 32. And I want you to answer it as you're looking to the future. You're looking ahead to 2019. What do you think? What is your answer to this question? Since God did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Question mark. Those who say yes, he will, and believe that, yes, he will. And those who say, no, nah, I don't think he will. You know, the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And, and he says that all things are possible to those who uh, doubt. I mean, all things are possible to those who uh, believe. And he tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, he says, you know, it's impossible to please God without faith. And, and, and faith comes by Hearing God's word. So if I'm hearing his word every day, I'm reading his word every day, I'm hearing from God every day, and where you used to struggle with doubt and worry and concern, that's not an issue anymore there. You're hearing from God, and faith comes by hearing from him. It changes things. I'm telling you, it genuinely does. A lot of the sources of information we get is wrong on a daily basis. A lot of stuff is on the... A computer, a lot of stuff is on the television, a lot of stuff is in magazines or newspaper, does not build a man or woman's faith. It tears it down. It makes us expect the worst is yet to come. I believe the best is yet to come. I genuinely believe that. And the worst thing that could happen to us is to die. And guess what? 
There is a real genuine heaven. Did you know that? We got loved ones that are there. And the Bible tells us that they're cheering us on. They're in the grandstands cheering us on from the balcony. They've already ran their race, and now they're cheering you and me on. Go for it, you know? Get over here, sat down. Run the race that you have while you have opportunity. Run it. Make a difference with your life. That's what he's telling us. Anyhow, I'm going to read verse 32 once again. Since he, Father God, did not spare even his own son, but he gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? You think God's going to provide you a food need every day? What about water? He says everything. He also will give us everything else. That is a promise. What a promise. And some people hear such a promise, and it's just too good to be true. You have to make your choice. I believe it myself. 63 years. And I have seen God do some awesome, amazing things. And I have never seen him been unfaithful to what he's promised. And as we're looking to 2019, we need to take his promises. we got a whole book of them here. Get familiar with them. And God will allow you to access those promises. And they'll change you for the better. Genuinely will. Well, let's move on. It says, who dares accuse us? It means points a finger. You, you dirty rat, you. Who does that? Well, there is somebody who does that. And the Bible tells us in the book of Re uh, Revelation, it talks about the devil is the accuser of the brethren, and he accuses us day and night, does he not? But who can successfully accuse you? You know what? God forgives us, and he cleanses us, and he helps us. He loves us. And he says here in verse 33, Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one can successfully point his finger at you and condemn you to accuse you and make God turn his back from you. No one can do that. Not successfully, the devil accuses, but he will never persuade God because the truth of it is what does God do with the mistakes you've made he forgives them has anybody here made a mistake raise your hand all you who get your hands in just made a mistake so get them up there God loves us who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own no one for God himself has given us right standing with himself we have entered into a relationship with the Almighty God. Not just that we're believing in some, you know, nebulous, you know, thing, power that's up there somewhere. I'm talking about a relationship that we have with him. And he says, nobody, whoever would dare to accuse you, it'll never, ever carry any weight. Not be, and it's all because God has given us a right standing a right relationship with himself. Who then will condemn us? Nobody. No one, he tells us here. For Christ died for us and was raised to life for us. So, 
Let's just say I went to this little store and I stole something. Okay? And they told me they're going to put me in jail until I paid for that. Okay? Somebody, one of you guys said, well, we got to get our pastor out of jail, you know. <laughs> and you paid for that item. And they said, okay, he's free to go. No, no, I haven't paid for it yet. Has it been paid for? Do I need to believe it? If I said, well, I don't believe it. I'll just stay in jail for years because I can't earn no money while I'm in there. See, we've got to believe what Christ paid for is genuinely ours. Forgiveness and a brand new life, a new start. It says in verse 34, Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Verse 35 says, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? That's a question. And it's proper. When you read question marks like that, it's proper to, to think that out, talk it out loud, you know. Answer the thing. We want this book to become relevant to us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? And he goes on and says, Does it mean he no longer loves us if you have trouble? Anybody have any trouble this past year? Did that mean that God didn't love you? Not at all. He promises us in the world we're going to have trouble. That's what he said. Because it's a fallen world. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or, or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? All of those things does not mean that God, God don't love us. He will help us in every situation. He will help us. He promises us that. And just because you got some trouble come your way, don't mean that God don't love you. Let's go to the book and find his counsel. Let's go to his book and find out what he says to do in the midst of this situation. Verse 37 says, no. That's not, it, it, it does not mean that he don't love us anymore. Verse 37 says, no. Despite all these Things, trouble, calamity, persecution, hunger, destitution, danger, threatened with death. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is whose? You mean to tell me when trouble comes, overwhelming victory is ours? Yes, I do. You mean to tell me that when calamity comes, overwhelming victory is ours? Yes, I do. You mean to tell me when I'm persecuted or I am hungry and I can't buy no groceries right now, you mean to tell me that overwhelming victory is mine? That's exactly what I'm saying. You say, when I'm destitute and I'm, I'm, I'm dangerous, I'm, I'm being threatened, somebody's going to take my life, you mean to tell me overwhelming victory is mine? That's exactly what I'm saying. He says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Question is, are you in Christ? See that trouble and that calamity 
and that persecution, and that hunger, and that destitution, and that danger, and that being threatened with death is like sharks swimming around the water. And there's a ship out there, and it's called Christ. And if you get in Christ, some things can't get you. Does that make sense? Are you in a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? There are conditions to all the promises of Almighty God. And he says here, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced. I am convinced. Have you ever been convinced about something? You were pretty convinced that chair was going to hold you or you wouldn't have sat down in it. Is that right? There are things that we are convinced of. You know, I'm convinced my wife will never, ever, ever leave me. I'm convinced of that. She might shoot me, but she'll never leave me. <laughs> I keep my guns locked up away from her, you know. It's like, where was that now? Anyhow, I don't know. Oh, verse 38. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life nor angels or demons, neither fears for today or worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love in 2019. We're looking ahead to the future, and I promise you the best is yet to come. Based upon all the promises Almighty God has given us, and one day we shall all gather around the throne of God together. And we will worship him and go, man, if I'd known it was this good, I wouldn't have eaten healthy at all while I was down there. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Heaven is awesome. It is fantastic. It is wonderful. It's real. And the worst thing that can happen is we die and then we just get graduated before everybody else. Anyhow. He says in verse 39, no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Think about this as we move from 2018 to 2019. Nothing can separate me from God. Nothing. Now, I can turn my back on him, and he's trying to love me, and I can turn my back and I can walk away from him, but he's, the scripture says that if you ascend into the heavens, he's there. If you make your bed in hell, he is there. You can't get away from him, but you can ignore him. But why would you? Somebody who loves you like that. Somebody, Jesus, who gave his life for you. The Father sent his son. He gave his life for you, and he said he'll give us everything else. If he'll give us his son, he'll give us everything else. And it's just so, so powerful. Verse 39, no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's love has been revealed to us in the gift of his son. And we have a relationship with him, you see. God's nature is steadfast. You can count on it. God's nature is unchanging. He's faithful. In the book of James, 
it says, chapter 1, verse 17, it says, Every desirable and beneficial gift, every desirable and beneficial gift comes out of heaven. Any desirable and any gift that you've ever received that's a benefit to you, it came from heaven. God sent it your way. And you say, well, no, I bought that. Well, I wonder who gave you the wisdom and the skill to earn the money to bought that with. <laughs> Every desirable and beneficial gift comes out of heaven. The gifts are rivers of light cascading down from the Father of light. There is nothing deceitful in God. Nothing is deceitful in God. Nothing two-faced. Nothing fickle. God does not change. He don't go and change the price tags, you know, on things. He doesn't do that. He brought us to life using the true word, showing us off as the crown of all his creatures. God brags about us. I don't know, you ever have any pictures in your wallet or your pocketbook and you show off your kids or your grandkids? Yeah, exactly. I got some questions I need to ask somebody. Think about it, though. God brags on us. He genuinely does. He's crazy about you. He loves you. He's crazy about you. Listen to what he says there. He brought us to life using the true word, showing us off as a crown, as the crown of all his creatures. We're the apple of his eye. God is the God of promise. He keeps his word even when it seems impossible. You ever had situations that seemed impossible? My Bible says all things are possible to those who believe. So what we got to do is work on our believer. And the Bible says faith comes by hearing his word. So the more I hear his word, the more my believer is going to increase. That's the truth of it. Genuinely, yes, you know. So the so-called gods of the ancient world, just a thought. One could never be sure of the mood of his god or gods. This is false gods. They needed to be humored or, or persuaded or bribed or somehow rendered favorable. However, the one true God of Israel was constant, unchanging, and always faithful to himself and to his people. But you'll see people who serve false gods are always trying to persuade him not to do something mean or, or bad to them. See, that's, that's a trick the devil has played upon people's minds. John 10.10 10 says it's the devil who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Not God. God forgives. Gives us another chance. He genuinely does. It says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, it says Jesus Christ is eternally changeless always. The, what's that word? The same yesterday and today and forever. You can count on it. Everything you read in his word, Jesus is the same. He don't change. He's consistent. He's dependable. You can count on him. He don't just change the rules, you know. He, he doesn't do that. 
you can count. So what you read and what you study, what you've learned to apply is always true. First Kings chapter, five, uh, chapter 8, verse 56, it says, Praise the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel just as he promised. You mean God really keeps his promises? Yes. Not one word has failed of all the wonderful promises he gave through his servant Moses. And I'm going to tell you, we have better promises now since Christ has come and died and risen from the dead. We have better promises now, more powerful, more easy to access than the promises in the Old Testament. They're so much better. We have a new covenant, you see. Christ has come. We're not just waiting for his coming. He came. He did what he said he was going to do. And he said he's coming back for us. Jesus is the same. It says here, just as he promised. And not one word. I like that. Not one word, verse 56. Not one word has failed of all the wonderful promises. Not one word. Now, we may be struggling to believe it. Because you don't believe what they say in the newspaper, you surely don't believe what they say on the television. Now, I don't know if I even should say this, but when it comes to politicians, I'm not going to say nothing. <laughs> but I don't think you can believe them half the time. Because people, they do this bait and switch thing, you know. But you can count on what God says. Don't think that God is a politician because he's not. He loves you and he's crazy about you. And you can trust him and you can count on him. That's just the truth of it. You know. The, the promised land that we see Moses going to, leading all the Israelites to it, the promised land is on, was on the other side of a wilderness. And sometimes for us to access the promises of God, we may have seemed to have been in a wilderness for a time. Anybody ever here ever been in a little bit of a wilderness? Does the wilderness mean that the promised land doesn't exist? Does not mean that at all. Does not mean that. The promised land is still there. Here's a little uh, quote you'll probably recognize. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that right now. I just want to do God's will. And he has allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. Anybody know who says that? Who says that? Martin Luther King Jr. He says, I've, he's allowed me to go up to the mountain and I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. Hmm. What about you? Have you seen the promises that Almighty God has given us? Sure, heaven, I, I believe it to the core of my being. But there are promises that are for us now, here and now. So uh, how do I access those? That's a very good question. And we could spend the year 2019 finding out how to access the promises of God. Because so much of the principles in God's word is revealing to us how to access his promises, how to access his blessings. He wants us to access them. He genuinely does, you know. Think about that. 
Second Peter chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come. Mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, well, what happened to the promises that Jesus is coming again? Well, he hasn't come yet, has he? Not his second coming I'm talking about. It says, from before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world first was created. Verse 9 says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. I, I'm ready to see Jesus. And, and I just need to take the whole shebangs, all of us on home, you know, and, and the rapture that the Bible refers about. But the only reason I say, Lord, I hope you wait a little while longer, because there's some people I'm working on right now that are not believers as of yet. And I want them to come to know him and trust him as their Savior. That's what I want to take place. Hebrews 6.12, it says, Be not slothful, but followers of them who through, what's that word? Faith and patience inherit the promises. There's two ingredients. Faith and patience. Are you a very per, uh, patient person? I said, are you patient? <laughs> we may not be, and we may forfeit some of the promises of God because we're impatient. And our impatience leads us to complaining and groaning and belly aching and doubting and fearing and worrying. Does that make sense? And he says, be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Verse 15 goes on to say, and so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Patiently enduring. It's like, God said that, and that settles it. God said it, that settles it. God makes a promise. Faith believes that promise. Hope anticipates it. You know what the word hope means? It means a confident expectation for the future. That's what the word hope means. So faith makes a promise. I mean, God makes a promise. Faith believes the promise. Hope anticipates that promise. And patience quietly awaits the fulfillment. You plant those vegetables come springtime, you know they're going to grow, don't you? You just know it. So be patient. Don't go out there and dig up the tomato plants when they're only this big because they don't have tomatoes on them. Wait. Be patient. And apply that patience to the promises of Almighty God. Patience is evidence of faith. That's what it is. Genuinely is. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, it says, by faith, and Abraham was the father of faith, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. What a severe test it was. God had promised him a son. Isaac was going to fulfill all of God's promises. And then God asked Abraham to do the unthinkable. He said, I want you to give me Isaac back. Sacrifice him. What happened? He did. What happened? Isaac lived. 
So just because things don't look like they're going to receive the promise, don't doubt it. Be patient. Trust God. And patience is not grumbling while you're waiting. That's not patience at all. Patience is praising God while you're waiting. That's what that's about. Romans chapter 4 verse 20, it says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. He tried to help God out occasionally, but he never doubted it. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory, which means honor, to God. And when you and I are patient and we're trusting the Almighty to do what he's promised us, that honors him. Other people say, well, I thought you said that the Bible says, and just be patient, trust God, and don't go promise somebody something that God didn't promise either. He goes on to say in verse 21, talking about Abraham, he was fully convinced. He was fully persuaded. Have you been persuaded yet? Have you been convinced that God is trustworthy? He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. There's an old hymn that goes, Standing on the Promises of God. Anybody ever heard that hymn? Standing on the Promises of God. You know, if this is a hymn book, which I meant to get one, that means you're standing on it. And some of you are going, oh, I can't believe you're so sacrilegious. You're standing on the Bible. I'm standing on the Word of God. It's better to get it on the inside and stand on it than just to physically be standing on it like this. But hopefully as an object lesson, it'll remind us that we need to stand firm upon the promises of the almighty God. And God's promises are like stars. The darker the night, the brighter the stars shine. Is that true? When it gets really dark and the moon's not anywhere to be seen and the, you're away from all the streetlights, the stars shine bright. And even in the darkest of times, the promises of God, they shine brightly. I'm almost done here. But I just got to wrap this little piece up right here. It's so important. Hebrews 11.33 says, By faith, these people overthrow kingdoms. By faith, they overthrew kingdoms. By faith, they overthrew kingdoms. This is warrior kind of people. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice. They received what God had promised them. How? By faith. Faith comes by hearing the word. I need to be hearing the word. And he says, by faith, they received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire. They escaped Death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength by faith. They believed what God said. They became strong in battle and they put whole armies to flight because they believed the promises of Almighty God. I was reading about this Indian. His name was Crowfoot. He was a great chief of the Blackfoot Confederacy in southern Alberta, gave the Canadian, he gave the Canadian Pacific permission to cross the Blackfoot lands with a railroad from Medicine Hat to Calgary. And in return for giving them permission, 
They gave him a lifetime railroad pass. This is the chief of all the Indian tribes around there. Crowfoot put the ticket in a little leather case and he carried it around his neck for the rest of his life. And there is no record, however, that he ever availed himself to ride or travel anywhere on the railroad. I wonder if we do the promises of God that way. We put them on little bitty plaques and we hang them in our house and we have necklaces or bracelets or things that have the promises written on them, but we never access them. We never use them. What a shame it is to have this guy, this Indian, he had this ticket in a little pouch around his neck and the trains went everywhere and he never rode the train, never claimed the promise that they had given him. You can travel anywhere you want to. Never accessed it. What about you? Are you accessing the promises of God or are you just kind of keep them near? And I have them here. You ever read that thing? Well, no, but it, it's like a rabbit's foot, right? No, it's not like a rabbit's foot at all. You read it and you believe it and you apply it and things happen. Faith rises up within us. Oh, there's so many things I want to share with you. I got to read one more verse, okay? Yeah. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Is that okay if I read one more verse? It's one more portion of a verse. Portion of verses. It says, this is worth the wait though, I tell you it is. I don't even know if I brought a bag with me tonight. I don't have a bag. It's okay. All right. I got a pocket inside of my little sweatshirt here. There it is right there. It says here, everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us. That's amazing. Everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us. By getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God. Now wonder what his name is. Who invited us to hang out with his father? Jesus did. The best invitation we ever received. We were also given absolutely, what's the next word? You're waiting. That's not what mine says. It don't say you're waiting, but I'm glad you're patient, okay? That has a lot to do with accessing the promises of God. This is 2 Peter chapter 1, and in the Message Bible, they don't always have a verse number beside it. They're kind of like in groups. Are we there? We were also given absolutely terrific promises. We were also given absolutely terrific promises to pass on to you. Your tickets to participation in the life of God. I am telling you, there are some absolutely terrific promises and if you will do a little digging and you will find them and they will change your life and your situation and 2019 will be better than you ever dreamed it could be. That's the truth of it. Now, let me see here. So what's he have? 
a cup, just a drinking cup. I said, why don't you just drink out of the bottle? Because I'm not going to drink it. That's why. Oop, that's it, right there. How do you like it when worry gets a hold of you? It's kind of scary, isn't it? Worry. It's a monster. It can destroy. A dense fog covering seven city blocks to a depth of 100 feet, a dense fog. It covers seven city blocks to a depth of 100 feet, condensed into water, wouldn't quite fill a drinking glass. All the fog, all the moisture that is in that massive amount of fog, it's covering seven city blocks to a depth of 100 feet, that fog, that frightens you. You can't see the lights. You can hardly see where you're going. It, it's frightening. It, 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 it blinds you. You can't see ahead. See ahead? Because of the fog. A dense fog covering seven city blocks to a depth of 100 feet condensed into water wouldn't quite fill a drinking glass. That's according to the U.S. Bureau of Standards. Like fog, our worries can thoroughly block our vision. Can't see. Thoroughly block our vision of the light of God's promises. But in the final analysis, they have little substance. Can you imagine all that fog that could impact so many people? That's what it amounts to. If you condense all that fog, that's how much moisture is there. Is that really something to be frightened of? We can eat the fog, you know what I'm saying? Well, we don't have time to go into all the promises. I wanted to share a bunch of them with you. But let me share one of them that I claim every day of my life, and I've shared it with thousands and thousands of people. It's in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. You know it. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and then thank him for all that he has done. And then the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep, which means guard and protect your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. That is a promise. You don't have to worry. You know, worry is like a fog. It's just a whole bunch of nothing that's there. Have you ever worried about something that never happened? Most of our worries don't happen. Is that true? except it steals our strength and it steals our hope. It blinds us to our future of the best is yet to come. We don't need to worry. We need to go find the promises of God and, and we need to read them and we need to chew on them and meditate on them and apply them to our life. We need to pray them and speak them and sing them if necessary. The promises. I'm talking about looking ahead. There's a pathway for us and we don't know what all is out there, but I do know this. I know the best is yet to come. 
And I do know, and we'll talk about this, that God's plans for us are good. I know him. And he says it in his word. In multiple places, his plans for us are good. And it is not evil. It's to give us hope. You know that verse too? You know the whole Bible by heart yet? You're just working on it, right? We'll give you another year. Memorize the whole thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but the plans he has for us is good and not able to give us hope and to give us a future, a future, a bright future. That's what God's plan. That's in Jeremiah there. You know, he loves us and he cares about us. He's crazy about us. And I know we got to stop here, but we're getting ready to launch out into a new year. And I want you to step out into 2019 with hope, with expectation, knowing that God's there. You're not going to be on your own. Nothing can separate you from God's love. He cares about you. He's given you his son. He'll give you everything else. That's what he promises. And if you'll read his book, you'll read his promises, and the devil whispers some old evil, nasty thing in your ear, and all you go, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. The Bible says... And I'm going to tell you, that's what scares the devil. If you speak the word of God, it's drawing your sword out. That's what happens. Anyhow, let's pray. Let's bow our heads together. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters who are in this room and those who are in any other part of our building and those who are watching online. And I ask that you would help us, Father, to make time because we're not going to have it, but help us to make the time to read your word and to chew on it, and to apply it to our life in this coming year. Lord, we ask that our faith would begin to grow, and our faith would grow in leaps and bounds, not for entertainment, but to change the world in which we live. As we reach out to men and women, boys and girls, with the good news, as we pray for people, as we go about your business, cause our faith to grow, almighty God that we can be a tool in your hand to fulfill whatever it is that you called us to do. That's what we want to do, is to fulfill what you've called us to do. As our heads are bowed, I would ask you if you would, as we are getting ready to close one year and launch out into another, would you reaffirm your faith with me in the Lord Jesus Christ? Or maybe if you've never really known him before, would you declare your loyalty to him and that he is your Savior today, for the very first time, would you join me right now as we pray together? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe your plans for me are good. I believe the best is yet to come. Thank you for sending your son Jesus. You said you would give me everything else. And I thank you for your promises. I believe that your son rose from the dead. I believe he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I welcome him into my life. And I surrender and say your will be done in me. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.